Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I won't get through my message today, but I'll, I'll lead you to some place where you can find some of the things I'm teaching on. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We're on a series called Generous, and I really felt like we needed to start out the series talking about generous God, how he's generous in the Holy Spirit. And uh, before we get into anything else about us being generous, because without the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. Amen? And he fully gave out his Holy Spirit. Now, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. You know, a lot of the New Testament deals with the Holy Spirit. But today, it seems like we kind of shy away from it in the body of Christ. That we don't want, you know, the Holy Spirit's a little weird. You know, we like the Trinity, but we don't like to talk about the third person in the Trinity. We like God. Uh, Jesus also is being kind of hit a lot, but we'll still talk about Jesus. But when we come to the Holy Spirit, let's lay him aside and let's don't talk about him. And uh, what if they would have done that in the book of Acts? When they came out of the upper room, everybody thought they were drunk. And Peter said, well, no, it's not that time of the day yet. And, um, like, there is a time of the day, but, but they aren't drunk as you suppose, but they are being filled, as it says in the prophet Joel. And he starts preaching and teaching to them. Um, I think we come to the place where, in the body of Christ, especially in America, where we don't want to even talk about the things of the Spirit. Um, and so what happens is, is that we'll preach messages. And, listen, I'm going to be honest with you, I've done it too in the past. Well, we'll give you a five-point sermon or so about how to be a good father, how to be a good mother, how to be a good um, um, uh, husband, uh, wife, how to have good relationships, how to be successful. And we give you these five points, and we expect you to do them of yourself. Well, you can't do anything of yourself. And so we, instead of, you know, those points are good points, and they're great leadership points, but we've made our churches into, not churches, but self-help centers. Um, the problem is with that, and, and the, the preaching and the teaching are really good stuff, but if you don't connect the Holy Spirit, who is power, who is an enabler, who is a comforter, or helper, you'll never get through it. And so this is what happens, is that we do these five points, and we do them well for a couple of weeks, maybe a day. And then after that, it just falls. How many of you guys ever been on diets and it worked that way, huh? You're looking at one right now, in new way. But 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says, But God has chosen, chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put the sh- world to put the shame of the things which are mighty. And so what happens is, is we, we give out these, these points to do and we, don't, and we don't connect it to the Holy Spirit. So this is what happens. It becomes all a works issue. And it's like Paul talks about, your righteousness is of filthy rags. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to do these things. I'm trying to be a great husband. I'm trying to be a great father. I'm trying to be a great, you know, mother or, or, or wife and and or a good friend. I'm trying to I'm trying to be successful and I'm doing all these points. Why isn't it working? God, you failed me. God didn't fail you. You just didn't incorporate the next step. Asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. And empower you to do it. See, you can't do it of your own. Now, look at Jesus. He didn't get to do his first miracle until when? After the Holy Spirit came upon him. 
Now then he looks at his disciples asked, right before he was ascended, after he rose from the grave. What did he ask to tell his disciples to do? Because they probably wanted to go tell everybody what they just saw. And a lot of people saw Jesus. So they wanted to go all around and tell people what was happening. Come on, the kingdom of heaven is near. What did he tell them to do? Wait into Jerusalem until you are endued or in, are clothed with power from on high. I love what um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. So let me tell you something about Paul. He, he says he was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was a very educated, very smart man. He was saying, I know it. I'm the one of the best. But I am not going to allow that, my knowledge, my wisdom, my own wisdom, to get in the way of the move of God, Amen. of the Holy Spirit. It's not about this. So he said, he said, my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, because he knows that fails. It doesn't work. He says, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, why is this? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen? And what happens is, is that we, 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 need, we don't engage with this. And this is where we need to engage in. We don't need to shy away from the moving of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to shy away from the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to have it fully in our lives and engage it fully. So Acts 1.8, Jesus says this, You shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon upon you, you shall receive power. When he comes upon you, that word power is dunamis power. It's not just dynamite or explosive power. It actually means the power to live, the power to do, and the power to become. You have power in you. Power is not out here. Power is not up there. He gave it all generously to you and I when we became a believer. And that power is in us. And we need to learn how to, to, to engage it. How to enable the Holy Spirit in our life. And as Paul talked about in Galatians, we talked about last week. To walk in the Spirit in daily lives. You're wondering maybe how come things aren't working. Maybe it's because of this. We haven't allowed ourselves to deny ourselves, put our flesh under it, and allow our spirit to rise up. Turn to Romans chapter 8. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 I'm reading now the NLT here. It says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature um, urges you to do. That's powerful right there. You are free. Amen? You are free. He says, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. What does sin do? It brings death. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. It's going to bring death. If you continue in sin, sin will continue to kill you maybe slowly but it will kill you but we as a believer we now unbelievers they they have no ability to get out of sin so stop getting mad at people who sin who are unbelievers stop taking offense stop getting angry at this world the world is what the world is it's lost and it needs you and i to rise up okay so so we we have an ability though not to sin because of the holy spirit we need to engage him in it so he says, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. How do we get rid of sin? Is it a 12-step program? No! Do they help? Yes. 
But if they don't connect it to the power of God, it doesn't work. You go from one crutch to another crutch to some other crutch. It needs to be engaged in the power of the Spirit. The only way you and I are going to be set free from our sin is to engage the power of the Spirit. Because the power of the Spirit is what puts death to the deeds of your sinful nature. And then it says, you will live. Look at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? The children of God. As a child of God, I need to be led by the Spirit. And here's what happens. is Because the church has pulled back from the Spirit, because it looks different. It looks weird, right? There, there's some people, you know, when, when, you, when you engage with power, people react differently, right? Some, somebody, if, you, if I had you line up and put your finger in the, the power socket right here, the plug-in, you're going to react different. Some of you will be very colorful and yell and scream. And some of you go, ow, that hurt. Some of you would probably cuss. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but you're going to react differently. We act differently. And we have to honor and be okay with the differences in our church. I want you to know that. Okay? Some of you are quiet in your worship. Some of you are very loud. What, what you like loud? You don't like me to be loud. You always tell me be quiet. Not not in worship, but anyway. But where am I? Okay, we have to honor the way the Spirit moves in people's lives. And some some listen. There was one time I was in the youth service. Brandon was actually in there. He's playing drums. Remember at that time that something was going wild, crazy. I looked over. We had this little small stage. The room was packed. And uh, I looked over, and this girl was doing this kind of thing, and just just dancing around. It's like it's like a flower girl from the hippie movement. And um, and I'm thinking that's just weird. And 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 the Lord, this is what the Holy Spirit said: It's not weird. It's beautiful. Because I don't get it. But he, she wasn't worshiping me. Listen, there's something. We, we don't need to pull away from the things of God. And I'm saying this, and, I, and this is the reason really why the Lord just had me do this. I, I, I plan my message six months in advance. I hear the Lord, and I pray, and seek the Lord, and most of the time I, I, I get it right. Not all the time, but most of the time I'm there. Generous was about being generous financially, getting your life in order. And we'll, we'll end up in there here in a couple weeks. But, um, but the Lord just put on to me because of what things are happening in our body God is moving. Amen? God is moving. And the power of the Spirit is so important. So if you're being led by the Spirit, you are a child of God. Now let's, let's go, go. Continue. So verse 13. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. So if you are a believer in here, you have the Spirit of God. You just need to learn to engage it, enable it in your life, to have it come up out of you and lead you. Now we call, up, call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That's a really cool point. When you get saved, um, before you were saved, you, your spirit man was not alive. It was pretty much in like a, it's dormant. It wasn't, there was no power and so um, if, you, if you're not born again, then that's what's happening inside. You are a three-part person. You have a flesh. You have a, a mind. 
a will, an emotion, that's your, that's your soul, and then you have a spirit. That's what really gets saved. The other things we have to work out are salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, and so, But your spirit man gets saved, and it, get, it gets connected immediately to the Holy Spirit. It becomes alive. And so what used to lead us, our mind, will, and emotions, and our flesh, which always got us in trouble, right? What needs to lead us now is the Spirit of God. That's connected to our spirit. So we need to push those things down and lift the spirit up. We are more spiritual than we are physical, and that's what we need to become. So that's what he's talking about. In verse 17, he says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of his glory, God's glory. I love that. We are heirs to God's glory. I'm, I'm, I've been studying Romans right now because I'm going to be doing a series in Romans in 2018. And I really want to go into this right now, but you guys worship too long. We can't do it. But anyway, so I don't have time really to, to, to do this. But look what else it says. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. We don't like that last part. But listen, when I teach it next year, you're going to love it. And you're going to actually know what that really means, okay? Don't have time. Let's go on. Yet, we, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory where he's going to reveal to us later. For, now, listen to this. This is what is happening. For all creation, that means every living thing, not only humans, but animals, trees, um, weeds, whatever, all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Now, let me say, say this, and I'll, just, and I'll go into it a lot deeper in, in a year. Um, this world needs you and I to rise up and to become who we really are. And creation is waiting for that day. Because that's the full day of redemption. Amen? In this world, your friends who aren't saved are waiting for you to become that are waiting for us to get glimpses of that in our lives. Amen? And we need to engage the Holy Spirit so that day is going to come even quicker for us. And you know what? And as we learn to enable the Holy Spirit in our lives, sin gets decreased and, and, and Him increase. And so we're not going to be led by emotions any longer. We're not going to be led what we think anymore. We're going to be led by what God thinks and what He says. And what he wants to do. And it's, it's about pushing yourself down and lifting yourself up. Because we need to come, be able to come to the place. And you have to come to this place where say, God, I am weak. I need you. And begin to in, enable the Holy Spirit in your life. So how do I enable the Holy Spirit real quickly in my life? Number one, you need to believe that the Holy Spirit is in you. And he desires a relationship with you. See, the thing about it is, is we forget. We, we, we cry out to God. We cry out to Jesus. But what about the Holy Spirit? We ask God, God, fill me. Do something. Well, then God's up, up, up in, he's in heaven. Actually, God is everywhere, to, to be theologically correct. He is everywhere. Um, but he is, he's looking at you. And he says, I did it already. It's already in you. And our responsibility, this is our responsibility, is to die to ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit freely to move. And then watch things happen. 
Watch the miracles happen. Watch God move in our life. And none of us are there yet, but we're going there together. That's where we're going as a church, that we die to ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to be who He needs to be in our life. The great I am, whoever God needs to be, is in you. He dwells in us. And we got to realize that. we got to welcome Him and, and, and build this relationship with the Lord. Get into your prayer time and worship the Lord. When you feel your flesh leading or your mind, will, and emotions leading, stop. Get in your prayer time and worship and engage the Holy Spirit and says, what do you say? And how do you want to lead? Who do you want me to become? Number two, you need to accept that only the Holy Spirit can satisfy your thirst and hunger. Nothing else will satisfy it. Only Him. See, the reason... As, as well, before we are saved, that we search. And even after we're saved, we search for this because we're not engaging. The reason we search for things, whether it's drugs, sex, alcohol, what, whatever, entertainment, to fulfill us. We search for other people to do that. We become codependent. The reason that happens is because there's only one, the only thing that can fulfill you is the presence of God inside of you. You and I, when, when God formed Adam... Into his image and likeness. He didn't leave him just like that. He breathed life into him. He breathed spirit, pneuma, into Adam. Jesus did the same thing after he, he arose. And he, he did the same thing as symbolic to his disciples. He breathed his breath into him. Listen, that breath was creative force in you that said, only I'm going to be able to be, to be fulfilled in you. Only thing that will fulfill you is me. Listen, the only thing, well, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't, well, then you don't want God and you can go to hell. Well, you don't want God, you'll never be fulfilled. You'll always go to one thing, to another thing, to another thing, and it will never fill you. The, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't like prayer, stop it. That's your flesh and you need to crucify it. If you don't like worship, stop it. You need to crucify your flesh. Put it under because there's something that you're missing and you're missing fulfillment. And so you believe in the Holy Spirit that he's here and you accept that the only, the only way you're going to be fulfilled is on your knees. It's in worship. It's in prayer. It's in being led by the Holy Spirit. It's being used by the Holy Spirit and, and accepting the giftings that he has for you. Number three, avoid putting barriers between you and the Holy Spirit. They could be sin barriers. They could be unbelief barriers. But avoid putting those in there. They could be past thinking, past teaching. Oh, the Holy Spirit's not involved in our lives anymore. That's a bunch of crap. If he's not in my life anymore, I don't want this. Because I can't do it without him. I am nothing without him. I, I love the shirts that they made for today. Talking about my pastor is Flossum. I thought I had to do with, 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 uh, with something else. But anyway, they told me what it meant. And it meant that we have flaws, but we're still awesome. But it's only awesome because of who God is in us. God is awesome. You shouldn't see us at all. Trust me. You see God. It's about Him. And I don't want to put barriers. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 talks about quench not the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you quench the Holy Spirit? 
Ephesians 4.30 talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. This is how you, how you do that. This is how you put barriers in between you and the Holy Spirit. You push him down and you lift you up. That's how you quench the Holy Spirit. My will, not your will. My way, not God's way. So to quench the Holy Spirit is to push him down. Where we are more spirit, right? As a believer, we are supposed to live by the Spirit. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit. And so we need to allow the Spirit to come up and the flesh and the mind to go down. The Spirit leads and tells the flesh what to do. The Spirit leads and tells the mind what to think and what to feel. Amen? So when I'm feeling depressed, I have to realize I'm quenching the Holy Spirit. I'm not putting condemnation. I know that. I've done that. I know what it means to be depressed. But I have to get out of my funk, right? <laughs> and you've got to push it down. Because that's quenching what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to empower you. What's dunamis? Power to live. Power to do. But power to become. Power to transform. And so if I want my transformation, I want thinking transformed in my life, then I've got to push me down and let the Holy Spirit lead. Amen? So I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. And number four, you need to welcome. In order to enable the Holy Spirit, you need to welcome the Holy Spirit in your life. You should get up every morning and pray this. Holy Spirit, I welcome you in my life. I put you first in my life. And I allow you to lead my life, to empower my life, to change my life. You give him permission. By the way, the Holy Spirit's not an it. He is a person. He is the person of God. Listen to him. He is, he is alive. He is well inside of you. Allow him to work. So you welcome him over and over. We are consciously and purposely inviting the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when you start feeling the, the wrong feelings, or when you start being tempted to do something that's not of God, invite the Holy Spirit in. Build yourself up with the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. If you have the gift of tongues, pray in that. If you don't, pray in the words you know. Number five, we need to pursue the Holy Spirit. So this requires a conscious and ongoing decision to yield yourself to God. Uh, Romans 6.13 says this, Yield yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead and are members as instruments of righteousness under God. Have you ever thought of yourself, you're an instrument of righteousness under God? That God wants to use you in righteous acts, but to bring righteousness to other people? You're an instrument of that? But the only way we can is to be led and pursue the Holy Spirit. So we yield ourselves, pray, we seek, seek Him, seek the Lord. We come into our, our prayer time and just worship. Do that all the time. Sometimes you've got to do that multiple times a day because your flesh is weak. And that means it's, it tries to be strong. It tries to have access. It wants to ha- it's, like a, it's like a spoiled brat. Right? Your flesh is a spoiled brat. And if it doesn't get what it wants, it throws a tantrum. And sometimes you're with it. You're doing it. So you've got to push it under and allow the Holy Spirit to, to rule. And the more you begin to do this, enable the Holy Spirit in your life, guess what? The more your flesh starts to transform too. The more your mind, will, and emotions start to transform also. 
So pursue them with worship and with prayer. Number six, you need to allow the gifts of God to operate in your life. Listen, don't hold back the supernatural to happen through you. There's gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly, Paul says, desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. You know, Ron, he read that uh, verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, on the video. It talks about a variety of gifts of the same Spirit, variety of service of the same Spirit, variety of activities, but the same God who empowers all of them and everyone. See, there are gifts, generous gifts for you and I. And Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he doesn't lay them all out, but he lays a lot of them that are very important. There's other giftings, of course. Um, other parts of the Bible talks about um, uh, administrative gifts, um, helps gifts. Um, but, but these he's talking about, these really power gifts. And he says to, in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. For to one is given, and he starts listening, list, uh, listing the other, other giftings. The gift of wisdom. The gift of knowledge. The gift of faith. The gift of healing. The gift of working in miracles. The gift of prophecy. The gift of distinguishing between spirits. The gift of tongues. Uh, the gift of interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one, the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. There are things in your life that you need. You need the giftings of the Spirit. And each one, none of us own any of these. They're given as He wills. It's like this. When, when Moses went to um, God and says, Who do I say that's here? Who did I say I'm coming for, with? He says, Tell them the I am sent you. Do you know what that means? The I am? I will be whatever I need to be in your life. And so the Holy Spirit will be whatever He needs to be in your life at any given time. And He will gift you and empower you to do it. But you have to receive it. And the problem is, is that we haven't allowed these giftings to happen in our life. And so we get so freaked out. Man, tongues? Speaking in tongues? It's tongues? I mean... And we get freaked out by those things because they're weird. Listen, they are going to be weird to the world because they're spiritual. Spiritual things are always different and weird to the world. So let me give you, let me give you and I, I don't want you to freak out in tongues because tongues is amazing. I personally speak in tongues. And so tongues has two purposes. The first purpose is a prayer language. It's to edify yourself, is connect to God. The second purpose is corporately is to be given corporately, but it has to have an interpretation. Okay? So there needs to be interpretation. So no one should speak to another person in tongues, because that would be stupid. That's pretty much what Paul says, but that's my interpretation. Now let me give you another word for tongues. This might help you out a little bit. The gift of tongues, the word tongues, the Greek word, can be um, interpreted tongues, or it can be interpreted languages. So the gift of languages. Now I've heard unknown tongues, people speak, and I've heard people speak in a known tongue that they never had before. I've heard that both. It can be languages. How come we can't think that God has his own language? Do you think God speaks English? 
He speaks. <laughs> it, it is, Spanish is a beautiful language. That's for sure. A lot better than English. You know, England. I remember one day Lisa had somebody. What was your dad's friend? Was he from Puerto Rico too or Cuba? He's from Puerto Rico. He came up, and Lisa would tell the story that he had. A, he had. He was telling a story about his dog, and he was. He was telling in English, and then he spoke in Spanish about what he told his dog. And Lisa looked at him and says, "Your dog speaks Spanish." Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> I want you to study the power, the Tower of Babel. Americans can be really, really ignorant. I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm one of them. We think everybody speaks English. Or should. We can be, be very ignorant. So, you know, does God speak English? God speaks Spanish, Russian. He, he speaks it all. But in the Tower of Babel, what did they speak before? They, you remember the Tower of Babel? God came down and separated them, confused their language because men can do whatever. Because you, you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. There's, a, there's something in us we just don't know. But so he separated their languages. They spoke the language of God. Now, could the language be Hebrew? I mean, that's debatable, whatever the language of God is. But God has languages. And maybe tongues is that language. But don't deny those things because you don't understand them or think they're weird. Okay? There's something blessing. Now, I don't know that everybody can speak in tongues. I don't know. I've spoken in tongues since I was saved in 1983. And it's a private thing for me. It's, it, when I speak in it, it edifies me. Jude 20, speaking, uh, build yourself up in your most holy faith by speaking in the Holy Spirit. And I understand that and I love that. But it's, it's something that, you know, I also love the gift of wisdom because I need wisdom. Others need wisdom. I love the gift of knowledge because other people need knowledge. They need things from the Lord. We need, to, we need to have those things. We need the gift of knowledge, ability to have an in-depth understanding of things. We need the gift of faith. People need to rise up in the gift of faith sometimes. Be able to trust God and encourage others to trust God no matter what the circumstances. The gift of miracles. I wish some of you would get going on that. <laughs> the ability to perform signs and wonders that give authenticity to, the, to God's Word. Distinguishing of spirits. That means... You know what is genuine. It's just the ability to determine whether or not a message or person or event is truly from God. You know, we need those things. Prophecies, basically. And, and Paul says, eagerly desire these gifts, but especially prophecy. There's something about prophecy. You know why? Because it's speaking what God is saying right now. So desire these special gifts. You don't own any of them. But God can put them in to you one day and they're gone the next. But it depends on what you need and what he needs you to work, work in you. But don't deny the Spirit and the power of the Spirit of God. And listen, if you want to enable the Spirit of God in your life, you're going to start walking in these. Because the, the greatest way to see God move in your life is to allow him to move through you. And the more you do it, it gets addicting. That's why when we have people come up and give words... Because God's spoken to him. And we want that. And listen. God wants to use you. Not only here. It's not only a stage gift. You understand that. 
It's a 24-7 gifts. It's not just for here. It's for your home. It's for your kids. It's for your families. It's for your friends. It's for your coworkers. It's for the person you don't even know that God gives you something. You go up there and tell them, and they look at you and say, because you know something that only they know. Because God wants to minister to them. Just be open to those things. And as you pray, God, just ask them. Use me. Gift me. Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to um, engage your Holy Spirit in our lives, to allow him to be who you've called him to be, who you've appointed him to be in our lives. Now, Father God, a comforter, a helper, someone who empowers So, Father God, show us even in greater detail of each one of us personally how we can engage the Holy Spirit, enable Him to move and work in our lives. And we thank You for for it. And, Father, we thank You for things to come. We thank You for the moving of Your Spirit, for the power of Your Spirit to work in our life, to change us, to transform us, to use us, to see other other people transformed in Your name. And Father, we just open ourselves up to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name.